But exit polls, right? They got those in Montana with. <laughs> They just have a, a diligent horse who goes around <laughs> trying to figure out who voted for who. <laughs> so welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben and I'm joined tonight by Mike and John. We're recording on the evening of Thursday, May 25th, 2017. Today is day 126 of The Resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So, hey guys, um, why don't we get right into it with um, best and worst news of the week? Okay, I will go first. Um, I'm going to start with my uh, worst of the week, which is, uh, I mean, it was not unexpected, but still I found it highly disappointing today that... With, I can really only think of two exceptions. Uh, pretty much zero Republicans even vaguely criticized that asshole Greg Gianforte for beating the crap out of the reporter last night. Um, that most of them turned it into a joke or just straight up said it was fine or or you know at best no commented it um the the only two republicans that i saw who who directly criticized it in no uncertain terms were senator ben sass from nebraska and mark sanford the bizarre representative um from south carolina um so my best of the week is mostly schadenfreude which is that i i got a certain amount of pleasure out of the uh, pettiness of Trump keeping Sean Spicer, one of the only actual Catholics on his team, from actually meeting the Pope uh, at the Vatican, and Spicy apparently being really sad about it. I got, I, I'm, I'm not it's your best. Lie. That's cold. I, I enjoyed <laughs> it's that. Cold. Yeah, well, Tr- Trump is a great man to work for because yeah. he is a huge dick bag at all points right. in time. Right. That's you know, Spicer's been going out. <laughs> looking like a complete motherfucking asshole for months now and in return he doesn't even get to meet the pope I mean, it's just it's cold it is very cold i mean um, ice cold the thing i look forward to if trump to a downfall for trump is just people bailing on him and revealing all the awfulness about him because there's lots of these stories that exist but it just seems to take people so much time to catch up to the fact that he's a, a shit human being the the real tell is going to be when Melania does it. I mean, she's, she's already bat- slapping his hand away. Yeah, yeah she's doing it. <laughs> right. I mean, if you want my best news of the week, that might be some of the best news I saw. Just that was delightful, like twice on camera. <laughs> well, and the outfit she was wearing when they met the Pope. And to be fair, she is actually Catholic, which we I don't think we knew until I this didn't week. know that. It turns out uh, she is. I don't. I think the only thing she worships is money. As far uh, as I but can tell, she go. was wearing the. The outfit that you're supposed to wear when you're at the Vatican, which is basically a black mourning veil, and she, I mean, she really looked like she was at a funeral, and there was something yeah. kind of appropriate about that as well. She so anyway, like um, Apollonia has just, just been thrilled. Right? It was. It was, <laughs> was very Apollonia-like. <laughs> he looked so mad. Such an angry. <laughs> I, mean, I was very happy he didn't give any quarter to Trump. He no, didn't yeah, give him a, no, one no. chance to have a photo op where he was at all. I liked it when he handed over the, his own climate change document. It's cyclical, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. sure Trump read that. Yeah, well, yeah well, I'm sure. he can't read, but it's a nice gesture. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was written in English, good, John. So. I have a best and worst. All right, let's hear it, Mike. Well, so the worst one. This is sort of obvious, but um, it was the Manchester bombing. That's my yeah. worst too, because oh, uh, I didn't know that. no, I mean I don't think anything. Yeah, that's bad could. enough that I think two people could take it. That was obviously really terrible. But then, for yeah. me, I'm really happy that Trump has seized the orb of power. That's true. I think that's oh, going to yeah. really help out. Yeah. Yep. It's too it bad was... we have to share it with <laughs> Egypt and Saudi Arabia, but can't yeah, do all. I don't know if there was any good news this week. There's lots of really great pictures and Twitter satirical comments about those pictures. Like the that orb, was the, orb. Yeah. the gift yeah. that kept on giving. There was plenty of fun shade 
to, to draw from, but like the news was brutal, and like the Manchester it's been thing a is rough week. It just tears your heart apart. I mean, it's it's. it's I think the response of Manchester might have been the best news. The the yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Some of the the people there seem to really uh, grasp what is people are trying to take away from them in terms of their sense of community and their sense of uh, solidarity. So that was lovely at times. But why don't we move into the CBO's report on the newest iteration of Zombie Trump Care? I love it. It was a really good report, right? They were five stars. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Six. Yeah. yeah they, 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 they wanted s- to give them six. But they managed they... to insure one million more people, or at least like have one million fewer people lose insurance. So they That yeah. was actually the initial headline in, in USA Today. Like, no kidding. Oh, the, God. The, the headline so was, one million more people insured than in last round. Who is the editorial yeah. board? They didn't even support. Well, that's crazy. I know. Like it wasn't even the Wall Street Journal or something. Uh, well, yeah. I USA mean, they, Today they, though does a valuable service because children need newspapers too. If it wasn't in pie chart form, though, did anyone really pay attention to it in USA Today? So no. that's what I would say. Or in the Presidential Daily Brief. Um, what's but weird? So just to get at the basic level here, the CBO yeah. score indicated that it's going to throw millions and tens of millions of people off their health insurance. Yeah, this is almost deja vu news. Like, yeah. how do you guys talk about it? Because I talked about when we thought the first, you know, Trump care bill was going down. You, yeah. me, and me and Ben, and yeah. and and there was like this optimism that this thing was over. And that's that is, of course, twenty six years ago was when that conversation yeah. happened. I don't know. I thought we had killed it that in that initial effort. I mean, uh, I, I would still say that the bill as currently written is there's a not a chance in hell of it. No, but that's not what oh, I'm no. afraid of. It's gonna, no. yeah. it's what McConnell's gonna write. Yeah, I mean, I I think at this point it's really hard to predict what is going to happen. We obviously didn't think that anything was going to get through the House if they couldn't pass something the first time. Um, so to try to predict whether or not they will pass something in conference after the Senate writes an entirely new bill and sends it back to them, I'm not even going to begin to take a stab at that at this point. I mean, for me, the CBO score is doesn't change very much about the structure and what's terrible about the structure. You know, we've got 13 senators writing their version of the bill, which is going to be what takes shape you know the current version of the house bill is is not really going to be the real thing that we have to deal with at the end i I don't even think it's a fait accompli that the senate writes a bill well they'll pass something i i I don't i'm not i'm not totally i'm not totally sold on that if they don't it'll be because people get in touch with their representatives That is certainly true. There, there are reports right now, like today, saying McConnell trying to make it seem like McConnell is skeptical of whether he can pass this thing, whether he can get to fifty votes. Well, he has said out loud yeah. in public that they cannot get to fifty votes, and that well, feels a little bit like maneuvering. The because written version, he said well, that that that's gone. I mean, I don't think I don't know what he's talking about. Because I feel no, like maneuvering for not writing something at all, John. I feel like it's maneuvering for him applying pressure onto Republican senators to turn around and not make themselves look like assholes. Because the the way they got the thing done through the House was that they went to the you know Republicans in the House and were like, "Listen, if we kill our own bill, no one's going to think we can govern for shit." And so MacArthur came forward bravely uh, to say, like, hey, I'm willing to give up my career because I'm a millionaire to uh, help this thing pass. So here's this, like, here's this amendment that I will later tell people should not happen. Like this, the opt-out, right? Opt-out is in the MacArthur Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the, part of the selling point they were doing after the CBO score was like, well, states won't actually use the opt-out. You're like, so you attached a thing to help get this thing passed that you don't think anybody will utilize because it actually would lower coverage, which you're saying this bill doesn't actually do. Like, it's just so many layers of falsehood and bullshit. Oh, and to be clear, there are plenty of states that would use it. Yeah, of course there's states. Yeah. They, they gave states an opportunity to... They basically shaft poor people, and they're gonna. A lot of right. them will take it because they're they're run by jackasses. So anyway, the, the same cudgel is the cudgel that McConnell has 
in the Senate, and it's the one he's used for a long time, which is that if Republicans don't look like they can accomplish things and work together, at least among themselves, then they ha- they stand no chance going forward. And and he could, and that's very plausible. Like senators who who will have to decide, like, should we make it seem like our party is incompetent, or should it make it seem like I personally will take health care away from my constituents? And they'll probably go like, well. If I only just take away health care from poor people in my state, I can probably trick other, enough of them or tr- find ways to keep them from being able to vote that I can still win. Whereas if I look like the party's incompetent, then no one even helps fund me and I risk a chance of a primary challenge that I could lose and all sorts of other things and then hurts the party overall. So I don't know. I think that they'll come to agreement on some terrible, terrible bill that is better than the House bill but will still – reduce the amount of people that ins- that is covered under health insurance over the next 10 years. It reminds me of Betsy DeVos in that I think McConnell will d- figure out what he can get exactly, like how how much bad he needs to take out of the bill to get to 50 senators and then pass that. And I don't know what that'll look like, but you know, so he'll give some people permission not to vote on it. Like, I doubt we'll see Susan Collins voting for it. I doubt... I don't know who the other one would be. Murkowski? Cassidy. Probably, yeah, it could be Murkowski. It could be um, Bill Jeff Cassidy Lake. in Louisiana. You know, it would be the people who have difficult re-elections coming. I mean, I'm not... You know, McConnell's really good at this, better than I am. But I think they are going to pass something and send it back to the House. And in a way, that that's a gift for the House, because it's interesting, the Senate is at no risk for the Republicans of flipping to the Democrats in 2018, but the House is at major risk. So helping them with a less horrible bill is actually a really good thing. Right. Now, From it, the Republican it, it, point it, yeah, of view. And, 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 it, take a certain it, amount of time. So uh, if they want to get that done, they have to do that with a certain amount of expediency, particularly because um, they're going to have to do it through the reconciliation process. Yeah, well, and they want to the, get that tax cut. In. Right, that's, and, and there's, that's time limited. Yeah. They don't have infinite time to use reconciliation. Um, yeah, and the Mercers so, are going to get what they paid for. Uh, if, they don't, if they don't deal with it sooner rather than later, we're going to get to the 2018 midterms. Yeah, well, I mean, they'll, they'll try to do something before then. I'm, I'm sure that's their, that's their goal. Um, I mean, it all stems from the issue that, like, Obamacare is basically the Republican plan for a expansion of healthcare coverage in the United States. So, if if you, if they won't do that plan, they have really no option to swing to, and that that's basically why, well, you know, a- okay. after all this time attacking the ACA, they ended up not really knowing what to do and hastily putting things together and having no real idea because the thing that follows their prescriptions on what they think the government, how the government should behave uh, in terms of certainly with regard to the private sector and would also expand care is basically, you know, ma- mandate, you know, it's the Heritage Foundation playbook from the 90s. It's mandated coverage. And but don't you, I mean, don't you just, to me, it's, cl- they're clearly lying. It, it, like you're, you're talking about what they say they want to do, but to me, it's just obvious that what they say is not true. They, well, they I, don't want to give everybody health care. No, they I want guess sick, they want sick people to die. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if that's true uh, to a man or whatever no, to a person. Yeah, but I mean, but, the, but but the reality is they they have no space for them to turn to. They they I yeah. mean that, and, and that's what happened in the House. It's like moderate Republicans who voted against uh, who voted against you know voted for repeal of the ACA when when they knew Obama was going to veto the repeal didn't support anything. And, and said, I mean, MacArthur said, like, I can't believe you guys voted for repeal, but you won't vote for any of these bills. Like, that's why I'm going to be in favor of making sure we get something done, even though that seems like has angered his constituents in New Jersey. It's like those who didn't vote for it were like, yeah, I mean, we did it because we knew it wasn't real. But like this, otherwise, we're just going against expansion of coverage. We're going against healthcare for our constituents. That doesn't, that seems like a lose proposition. So unless you can fool people into supporting a thing that is going to kill them or making sure the people that die, die fast enough not to be able to vote against you or, or not vote for you other means, like they have no, no real option. Well, it's incredibly politically toxic. I mean, it, I think it, it, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's about an $850 billion cut almost entirely to poor and sick people. And 
almost all of that money goes back to ultra rich people in the form of tax cuts. And, and this is even the things... tax cut bill officially right. yet. And and mm-hmm. none of those things are politically popular with anyone except those people getting the tax cuts. So and and it, even some of them aren't. And that's the reality is like it helps a very small percentage of people. Even some of those people aren't for it because they're liberals. Wealthy Californians, for the most part, vote for tax increases for things like increased school spending or some or, sure. or expansion of healthcare because generally a lot of wealthy Californians have a concept of a society and they also like say like they feel good about the like uh, California is a massive economy it, it seems to be doing pretty well where where is the fear of of trying to hold, what are you holding on to and so like the, I don't uh, you know who, the, who they're appealing to is such a small base of, of largely Republican donors who are funding these ideas and they're the ones who are going to benefit and also appreciate the benefits. Uh, it's, it's such a, it's politically illogical except in a, like an oligarchy or, you know, some system where, and it seems like under any form of the ACHA, there's going to be li- less protection for pre-existing conditions. Cause the only way to do pre-existing condition coverage and uh, not do some sort of single payer model is basically what the ACA was. And if they've destroyed any ability for Republicans to support the ACA, they've basically destroyed any ability for Republicans to support pre-existing condition coverage. So why don't we segue over to Trump's big first foreign foray? Um, yeah, I think Trump did um, a bad so, job. Well, so it, it it was interesting how the trip started rather differently than how uh, it is concluding. Um, It sort of started off very easily for Trump because he started off in Saudi Arabia. With a a glowing welcome to a despotic monarchic society where protest is banned and giant... Right, where Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross... Plastered on the buildings. Was ecstatic. He was like, there were no protesters at all because yeah. they just yeah, love and the, us and so And the guy much. interviewing yeah. him was like, yeah, that's because they're like, Ill- they're not allowed to protest or they'll be no. in prison. And he was like, well, well maybe, their head, but head it was nice off. not to have any protest. Yeah. Why doesn't NATO do any fun dances with swords? I wasn't surprised at how comfortable Trump was in the Saudi Arabian environment, but it is, it does confirm a lot of bad things. Like, that's how he thinks it ought to be. Well, the reality is Saudi Arabia is the country that was nicest to him. I mean, yeah, they put out I mean, they put a full-on welcome. Of him and they they him. spent. I think I saw that they spent everything $68 was, million. Dollars everything was covered in gold. Pocket change yeah. to Saudi Arabia. They gave him some silly necklace that even the Pope would think is a little gaudy. Right. I mean, it, I mean oh, snap. It, it was not difficult for them to make him like them. No, he's yeah. trivially easy to manipulate. Right. You flatter his immense ego and his tiny hands, and he will, right. he will do what you want. So the the Vatican escapade was, I thought, pretty meaningless. I mean, it seemed kind of like a a pro forma, you know, whatever. But the whole gotten, thing is pro forma, right? Well, but things have gotten a little bit more interesting. At I believe there, he's I, I think he stopped in Brussels, in Brussels at, at NATO headquarters. Meeting. Trump really did a nice job today. Let's see, what are some of the things that he did today? He he shoved the prime minister of Montenegro out of the way because he was too close to the camera. Well, he wanted to get to the front of a photo op, right? Because he wanted to show his dominance that he was in the front, and you could—he actually grimaces as he pushes him. Yeah. So I kind of think it's like he's—he's he's such a germaphobe. He felt like grossed out that he was touching another human being. He might well, have I also th- been having I interpreted a small heart attack. Mean- he thought it was inappropriate that the guy didn't realize that he should let Trump be in front. Like, so he was like, he was like, "Come on, man! Like, get your head in the game." Yeah. So they would have easily made room. No one had like officially lined up yet in whatever their their standing spots. Usually, when anyone takes a group photo, people move around afterwards. That's the traditional role of a photographer in a group photo is to tell people where to go. He just had to make. It felt like an old fashioned move that he would have done it like a the NBC upfronts meeting to make sure that he would get ahead of. You know, uh, Deborah Messing or whoever was on in the air at the time. Famous rivalry. So, so then he yeah. had not one but two handshake battles with Emmanuel Macron. Yeah, which he uh, both both of which he seemed to lose. No, he won the second one. Yeah, because that was why the second one we, happened. We're not really talking about that. This is all a joke. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. This is very important. Let us rate who won handshake <laughs> yeah, well, battles between leaders, leaders of the of free the world. Day. 
I mean, it's tough. You mean the one, the open public one where he kept yanking on his arm? No, the, well, both of them were open. So the first one, they're seated and they are just gripping each other's hands, white knuckled, mm-hmm. and neither one of them will let go. But then you can see that Macron is hurting Trump's tiny little hand. Yeah, there's Trump a. Start, Trump starts to kind of like get nervous and like he lets go, but Macron keeps on squeezing. Yeah, there's, then, a st- there's a still of, of Trump's hand not being able to go around Macron's hand. He's right. getting crushed so hard. Right. Yeah, I saw that. So there's that. So that was n- number one. And then, but then number two is the one you were referring to, which was later at a, in the group setting when Trump goes over to him, grabs his hand, and does the patented Trump handshake pull. Yeah, he gives him a Gorsuch tug. Right, a Gorsuch tug, exactly. <laughs> so, And then, of course, this was all followed up by him announcing that um, – once again, that the United States was not going to maintain its Article Five NATO responsibilities, and then as, as dictated to him by Vladimir Putin, the, the NATO people that they owed us allegedly, which that's not true. Yeah, that, that elicited no giggles from a bunch of world leaders. Yeah, which was somewhat delightful, although also terrifying given the context. And then apparently, the Article Five. Oh, sorry. I was gonna, the Article Five is the big, the big thing, and we probably would want to. Well, that's unpack a legitimately that. big. But before, but what what else, Mike? Before we get to he the also big just one. said Germany was bad. Yes, well, that was actually the translation. also. No, no, no. The two translations are whether it's b- bad, bad very evil. bad, or evil or very right. evil. So oh, there's the, it doesn't better. really depend on the translation because either one well, <laughs> Germany is bad. They sell too many cars in the United States, yeah. allegedly. Which well, is I'm, I'm yeah. looking right now, so I've got the Der Spiegel article up on Google Translate. But but yeah. but that's only what the German translation is. The English, what he said in English was bad, very bad. That's okay. been confirmed. Okay, but he, and so the question is, Trump doesn't speak but then the, the part that yeah. I really didn't understand is what Mike was referring to when he says, "Look at the millions of cars they sell in the U.S. and we're going to stop that." Yeah, he was somehow talking about his trade deficit talking point, well, they, they which build them I, isn't really well thought. So you see what he's getting at. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't. None of it really coheres into any sort of logic to anyone who pays attention to and information. He's an idiot, and mm. we really wouldn't want American consumers spending money. Yeah, that, would, that wouldn't be good either. And of course, I'm sure Trump has never owned a German car, or and certainly none of the people he knows. Yeah, um, I would. I, I just to go back to the handshake thing because that's delightful. I would love it because he seems to think that if he grapples with people of this awkward. Yeah. Horrendous handshake. He's he's showing dominance. I would love his re-election campaign ad to just be him doing his handshake across the various world leaders, and then just him being like Donald Trump, Alpha, <laughs> and that's yeah. just it. And I, uh, because he would totally think that, that would win us over. So, what is Article Five of NATO? Uh, Article Five, in not so many words, means that if you attack one member of NATO, then you attack every member of NATO, and they are obligated to respond. It's the common defense article. It's the one they invoked mm-hmm. after September 11th, and and, and how is is that the only time they've ever evoked yes. Article? I believe so. Yes. So the only time this thing that Trump won't uphold was evoked was in when our allies came to support us in one of America's darkest hours. That but, is correct. And John, why why was Article Five written in the first place? To, well, it's um, the one that I, prevents I, Russia from I, invading Europe. Oh, I was going to say Godzilla. John, I was going to say Godzilla attack. So I think Mike probably made a yeah. more coherent point. Yeah. But the point is, is that it was specifically written with Russia as the adversary in mind, which makes it even more ironic that Trump is doing the the bidding, essentially, of Vladimir Putin. Well, the, I don't know if Here. it's ironic in any way. Like 10,000 spoons. Yeah, <laughs> like, a, like rain on a wedding day. Um, it's... Because it, it, you know, yeah, it was it was obviously NATO's point was an alliance to prevent the USSR. The entire just, point did, of NATO is to hem in the Soviet Union. Yeah, to, to right. discourage the USSR, was to discourage the USSR from attacking any member, so because they knew that greater retaliation would come because it was encroaching. I mean, obviously, what USSR was, you know, gobbling up Eastern Europe, um, and that's its its entire point to exist. So, it's sort if of the it, opposite if, of the Iron Curtain. Yeah, without without Article Five, you know, as you know, Putin, if Putin wanted to march through Ukraine and go further into Poland, and I mean, I actually, I don't know every NATO member. Well, Ukraine's uh, not the, one. Not they're not one. Yeah, that's Just why I said they had for the time when Russia invaded Ukraine. Yeah, that's why I said they had to get through Ukraine to get to but one. But I believe one. Poland but, is one. I believe Poland, Poland is one. Is. If they got all the way to Luxembourg, Lithuania. say we would we would def- we would go in to defend Luxembourg, um, 
And obviously without notion of the United States trying to help out NATO members, then it, there's less pressure on Russia to not want to take over NATO members because we obviously have the largest military amongst uh, NATO allies, right? Oh, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, and there, that, get, that gets into, uh, I don't know what the, disappointing is not the right word, but it's, it's irritating because the, the whole concept that our European allies perhaps do not do their enough um, financially and militarily on their end in NATO is not necessarily wrong. Um, it's something that pretty much every president ever has said. Um, and uh, I, say, I don't think it's particularly controversial, but it's the way that Trump goes about it, which is uh, really preposterous. Yeah, well, he goes about it like there's a due that everyone is supposed to pay. It's sort of like as people describe it, like he, he thinks it's like Mar-a-Lago. Like you pay your due, and then you're allowed entry into this club, and you get to use the services. So you know, a golf course and missiles. And the thing that he keeps citing is just a pledge to reach a threshold in what is it, 2026 or 2024? My brain is. Uh, I can't remember which year it is. It's like so. So it, it's a, per- so, a percent of GDP. Yeah, percentage of their GDP of related to defense, their own individual defense spending. Um, so no one's actually broken anything. No one's not. No one's gone against anything. They made a pledge. It's they not have. Like we're the the like founder of the club that everyone pays dues to. That's not how it works. But it's also they have six to eight years, because I can't remember the the date to get to this pledge mark. So no one's no one's gone back on what they've already promised to do. So in any sense, it's like not only is it not how it works, no one's actually done anything wrong. Like none of it is at all what's happening. And he's created this other story that we have to then respond to and, and, and debunk because he's just lives in a, in a world well, of false information. I think the main issue is that no previous president has said, hey, you guys ought to pay some more money and so that we don't have to carry so much of the burden. Um, and if you don't, then we're going to let Russia invade you. Yeah, we'll pull out of NATO because NATO is, is not, even though it's in the interests of Europe to be, have protection, it's also in our interest Absolutely. to to buttress, well, certainly it was our interest to buttress the USSR when, we, when the USSR was our primary rival. I guess we could re-examine this relationship. It's just right now, what's odd to do and why I would say it's not ironic that he's doing something that would you know, benefit the interests of Russia is like, it's not clear that Russia, Russia is clearly an antagonist of U.S. interests, unless U.S. interests means Donald Trump's interests. And if those things become one and the same, if the country is merely at the pleasure of what helps Trump make money, then I think our interests are, are deeply aligned with Russia. But, but like Russia has interfered with our election, has interfered with multiple elections in Europe that's pretty clear. That's undermining democracy. Consider, keeping democracy sacrosanct is considered one of our foundational values as Americans. They just um, stole part of a country. They just stole part of a country. Yeah. They stole. They also they stole part of a country, and they stole an entire country at this. Um, and they are sort of basically a criminal organization masquerading as a state. So I think that's you know, pretty like literally what they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they, the Chechens, which is a, a you know utility of Russia right now, is going on a rampage of murdering gay people for being gay. Like they're they're not they're one of the badder guys. If you were making a movie in Hollywood and you want to decide who the villain should be, making them a Russian seems like a way to go. Hey, I got an idea. What's the next thing on the list of topics? The Montana special election. Oh my god. Um, we don't know. That's the news there. Well, we the we don't know the. Well, I think the thing that we could discuss a little bit more, perhaps, is the incident that occurred last night. Oh yeah. Yeah. What happened? This is this is a fairly noteworthy thing to have happened. What what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's unusual in an election for like the closing strategy to be um, that a reporter asks a, a pretty innocuous question about an important national issue. And instead of answering the question, you beat the shit out of the reporter with a lot of eyewitnesses and an audio tape recording. So um, you think so that was a, a strategy not, that they huddled that morning and they were right. like, here's how we're going to for, for people who are not aware. That's what happened last night in Montana, um, where Greg Gianforte beat the crap out of uh, Ben Jacobs of The Guardian um, for asking him his opinion of the CBO score that we discussed earlier on the show. 
He, um, according to a Fox News reporter who was in the room and watching this from several feet away, he grabbed him around the neck with two hands and threw him to the ground in a body slam and then jumped on top of him and began punching him in the face while screaming at him. Yeah, um, he, he just totally yeah. lost his cool and beat up a reporter. Well, you can understand yeah. how he, he lost his cool. I mean, being asked about your reaction to the CBO score Sar- is pretty sarcastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it is annoying to have people asking you questions all the time and putting microphones in your face, but it's like what a congressman does. Yeah. 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 And it, so- it's, it's a reprehensible act. And, and, and it's terror. It, I feel if that was the norm in America, that would indicate a, a, a serious issue and probably go against, you know, our, our well, constitution. Well, I, I think the thing that is most notable about it is not even, you know, the specific assault. I mean, you know, he was theoretically today cited with misdemeanor assault. Apparently, the uh, injuries to Mr. Jacobs were not severe enough for it to be a felony. Um, though the sheriff was a uh, is a personal friend of the candidate and has donated money to his campaign um so the objectivity there is a little bit questionable uh, i i think the the aspects which are most pertinent are a um how have we gotten to a um a place where violence against the press seems like uh almost normal uh regular occurrence i know how and oh and um and then how have we gotten to a place where again members of the party of the person who did this are will totally choose um parliamentary politics and winning over basic human decency and saying, you know, this is an awful thing to do and you shouldn't beat the crap out of people. But you're not surprised that Republicans have abandoned decency. That's been obvious for a long time. Oh, no, I'm not surprised, but I'm every time I'm still a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And the, and the other thing is the whole campaign, the presidential campaign, the press have been identified as the enemy and decried and criticized and you know, blamed for problems. So it doesn't surprise me at all that this is just a natural evolution to how Trump talks. Right. I guess I was, uh, again, disappointed, I think is the word I would use to see how much Republicans have aped the way that he talks and taken on um, uh, his, you know, his image, if you will. I mean, I guess it's not that surprising that, um, members of a political party would aspire to act like the head of their party. Um, but, you know, I saw one Republican congressman today saying, you know, we're here to drain the swamp, and it, that seems like some pretty grade-A drain-the-swamp behavior to me. Um, so I, I would welcome him here in Washington, you know, in a heartbeat. I mean, he was, like, literally using the vocabulary and... Uh, and so on of uh, of, of Trump and I, which I just found disturbing. It's incredibly disturbing. I don't really have much analysis. Like if this right. is where our country is going, we're going into a full-on fascist state, right? I mean, I guess that's what it feels like. It's another step down that path. It does feel that way, yeah. And it's and, a path I mean, Trump it's, likes. It, that's the thing that's so upsetting about oh, it. Oh, you know? yeah, he really like viscerally enjoys it you can tell um but it, it's bizarrely the one of the only things that uh like was able to unite the media of the left and the right to a certain degree well the, all, you know, all, he, no reporter wants this to become normalized behavior no this dangerous for them no People don't like being yelled at. And you mentioned what Wilbur Ross said before, right? Where he was saying, you know, yes, boy, it was so Saudi wonderful. Arabia. There was no no protesters. He called them incursions. Yeah. Um, now, in Wilbur Ross's case, I think he mostly said that because he's a huge moron. But the thing, you know, there's this, there is a uniting thread for all these things, which is the Trump style of Republican politics. It does not welcome dissent, does not view... No an aggressive press as an appropriate thing. And that's very different from 
sort of American traditions. W even didn't like even having the Republican to answer Party questions, but he would always say, you know, this they're allowed to do this. He has even said that recently. Yeah, and so in, I think that's a very dangerous turn yeah. for us. This is. Uh, president Obama had a very antagonistic relationship with the press. Sure. I mean, every president has an antagonistic relationship with the press. That's how it's supposed to be. But there, you know, there's no understanding now that that is how it's supposed to be. You know, they're like, boy, these press are antagonistic. We should just kill all of them. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they, and then you saw, you know, interviews with Republican voters today who are like, yeah, I mean, he's lucky that's the only thing that happened to him. Well, sure, but that's what they've been cultivating. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's just America is like gravely ill. We've that's what's been going yeah. on this whole time, and here's another symptom of it. And it's probably not the only or first time in the history of the United States of America that people have wanted to harm the press. Or of course not. I mean, you I think harm you know the press all the time, but you don't. Uh, we, sure. we were probably a more violent people. We used to have con- you know people in Congress bludgeoning each other on, on the floor. Hitting each other with canes and chairs and yeah. stuff, yeah. So, you know, this mentality, this sort of vicious, violent, tribalistic mentality is a fairly ingrained thing, seemingly, in humans. We know we have, we live post the 20th century, so we have a clear historical record of what happens when tribalism becomes uh, a part of the state, and the state is uh, sufficient and wealthy enough to use that tribalism to enact punishments towards what it considers to be members not of that tribe. And so we we know the consequences of where this mentality can go um, and the stakes of it, but it's, it's, it's a thing that we're going to never probably get rid of, sadly. Whether we win the House uh, in 2018 or not, or we win the presidency in 2020, we're going to have to deal with this. Um, um. Well, I thought the way you put with tribalism was was well put, John, and we certainly saw that on a much more horrific uh, and terrible scale in Manchester, um, as we've already discussed. That's a a tough Um, segue. That that is a tough segue. It's also just a tough thing to talk about. I don't know much more to 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 cover. Um, I think you Ben, you want to talk about something? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we discovered we already talked about the human atrocity human tragedy aspect of it uh, mm. and there's not much more to say there uh, but the, from a, a domestic point of view um, one thing that this has brought up is uh, again the strain in the relationship between the UK and the US which you know has historically been the quote-unquote special relationship right um, and particularly in the intelligence realm where the uh, historic uh, UK and the US make up the five eyes, which um, have basically uh, open intelligence sharing. Um, the BBC reported this morning that the UK has stopped sharing intelligence with US authorities on Manchester in real time um, because they're extremely upset with leaks. It's not entirely clear where the leaks are coming from, whether it's the White House or U.S. intelligence agencies, um, but leaks that were getting to the press, the New York Times notably, which published the name and photograph of the uh, bomber in Manchester and his uh, family members and um, pieces of evidence that were recovered at the scene long before the um, the U.K. authorities wanted this information getting out for very legitimate reasons. Um, and that it, it, it does seem like a... Um, a betrayal of of trust that is uh, pretty severe, and um, and I, I think that one of the things that if we manage to get through this whole uh, historical period, um, we're going to have to look back at the damage that the culture of uh, leaking um, has done. Um, you know, it's it's one one thing that Trump is complaining a lot about now, but um, it is it's problematic. Trump's big complaint is people leaking stuff. The you know the leaks we got to investigate the leaks, but there's leaks and then there's leaks, and so I think the, that is the problem true. here is this leak appears not to have really been in anyone's interest. You know, if there's you can leak in the public interest and have a defensible argument right this was in the interest of prurience 
Or I don't even know why. To me, it reads... I obviously have no idea what happened, but it, it reads like someone just, like, fucked up. Yeah, my understanding... Like, the name getting out... Supposedly, you, they said it was a miscommunication, so whoever gave the name out didn't understand that the, the British did not want that name getting out is how they kind of covered that up. That's weird because it was an ongoing investigation. Like they, they later arrested the bomber's father well, it, and some it, of it, his relatives, and they hadn't done that. There's a pretty uh, yeah. simple pre- precept when you share secure data with another agency or particularly another country, which is that I'm sharing this with you. You are not to disseminate that information without my permission. It's like it's not. It's not that complicated. Sure. It, 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 ideally, you would probably want the British to first announce, and, and then yeah. who the name is. But so, so, so regardless, that, that's understandable. They they chalked it up initially as a miscommunication. And the second thing with the photos, and I re- I saw that New York Times article, and I was surprised at the level of which they had photographic evidence of the crime scene because that was yeah. not a thing. That's not a thing that's common in the case of any sort of terrorist attack. Certainly um, that early on. That early on. Um, and as like that's a big scoop for them, and I don't know how that would have gotten out. I don't know whose interest that would have been to release that thing. It is troubling because Trump has announced, uh, really, in a response to probably Theresa May giving like really chewing him out, that they're doing it, and you know the Justice Department, I guess, isn't doing an internal investigation of how these leaks happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little scary though, because Trump's desire has been to use the Justice Department to go after leakers for a while, and that's one of the things he wanted Comey to do using the FBI. And so this could give the pretense to, for Trump to do exactly what he wants to do. And for all we know, these were leaks given for the purpose of actually getting Trump to be able to do what he wants to do. We just don't know why these leaks occurred. And so saying that what we need is a crackdown on leakers is a little... I mean, I saw, I've seen that coming from multiple people in, in the press, and I, or like, you know, obviously probably not the press itself, but multiple people speaking through the press. Um, I, I just don't know what their intentions are when they want that crackdown. Saying that they shouldn't have shared this information seems pretty reasonable. Saying that they should find out all leakers and, and make sure the spigots are closed seems pretty dangerous in the climate of having this administration. No, so a leak we have to be, see where it goes. I mean, can be important. Um, obvi- you know, w- Watergate obviously is sort of the prime example of. I, of I, I think the last three months have been a prime example of it. That has been a prime example. Of course, it was leaks that, in large part, led to the situation uh, with uh, the FBI and Comey and Hillary's stupid email server. Um, uh, so it's really cut both ways. Um, uh, and it, uh, I think objectively it is probably true that it, it's best for um, American intelligence agencies not to be acting like civs um, unless it's for a pretty important reason. But w- in the wake of certain instances like Comey being fired, I remember you, you were personally quite excited by the idea that leaking would increase under those situations. So it's yeah, – I mean I think it's uh, – it's, what, what's dangerous is us just falling into this trap of like – feeling like it's partisan like we don't mind leaks when they attack or criticize people that we don't like for for political reasons but we do you know we do mind it when it might be people we're aligned with in the case of the of this terrorism investigation we don't really have any sort of yeah it doesn't really benefit anyone except for the you know while the new york times getting a, a scoop um but I would just say, like the the menta- I would hate for us to come to a mentality of we need to crack down on leaking. Like that seems like a a, a nervous thing. I, I understand the role of intelligence agencies and how they would want to keep certain information not disclosed. I understand well, there, that there's a that reason advantage. Why classified, you know, the classification system exists. Sure, which is not a thing we as private individuals need to debate. I'm just saying, if the mentality of, Amer- of the American citizens becomes like we got to stop those leakers, we're in a really we're in a fuck position because the, the people who are going to think that and who are going to benefit the most from that are people with established channels of power holding on to those established channels. So I, I think that the, the most reasonable thing to say is like this is a, an ongoing investigation of what, how this happened because it shouldn't have happened. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I, 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 I find I find the whole I I, I find the, the you know even as as you rightly say you know I've I've been gleeful at certain leaks that have come out that have been in our favor, um, but at at the same time um, it gives me a lot of disquiet um, that we've become so reliant on 
uh, such things because it, I think, means that uh, that the gears of government. I mean, obviously they're not, but it just—it's another indication that that the government is not op- operating properly. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like a culture of leaking is can often indicate that. I mean, usually these are career professionals who feel like their information is not reaching their basically their bosses and being heard properly, so they have to go through a, an end around on that. But at the same time, America has committed a lot of things that did not see the light of day, and they didn't see the light of day for too long. And and if they were, if people knew about them earlier, we might have been able to stop some of these things. Certainly, um, and that's obviously we can go to the Pentagon Papers, which is probably one of the most important leaks in the history yep. of leak, leaking in the United States of America. Um, but during the build up to the Iraq War, there was a lot of information leaked by the CIA that was actually discarded by the administration because they were only looking for things that made their case seem strong. But they're, they're, you know, so, yeah, I, we shouldn't be in this position. I guess I'm, like, I, you know, f- making sure that a, a cultural leaking, I think that's not the thing that when you look back on this era, that's going to be the focus. I mean, th- if that's the focus, the next, the next 10 years of our lives have gone actually pretty well. If when we look back on this time and the only thing we're really concerned about is how the leaks happened, you know, like that would mean that like, all right, like that's not too bad. <laughs> I would love that to be the main thing we take away from this time period. Well, if it's our biggest problem, yeah, that's certainly yeah. true. Uh, so speaking of leaks that we find perhaps amusing, um, it was reported somewhat late today that um, Jared Kushner is the individual who is a uh, subject of significant interest to the FBI. Um, this, it was reported, I think, about a week ago that there was a person... Uh, in the White House, close to the president, who was of interest. And today it was confirmed that that was uh, Jared Kushner, um, particularly because of his um, initially unreported meetings with Sergei Kislyak, the ambassador um, from Russia, and uh, as well as the CEO of um, a bank that we have sanctions on, a Russian bank, um, that these meetings were not reported, um, either generally or specifically on the security clearance forms that Kushner filled out um, when he became a senior advisor in the White House. Um, so it sounds like uh, Jared's got some explaining to do, um, though he's probably not in as much trouble as um, Michael Flynn and, and Carter Page and Paul Manafort, who I would not, if I were them, I would not be getting too comfortable anytime soon. Yeah, and, and to expand the Russian news roundup, there's also that article in the New York Times about. Uh, Intelligence officials capturing during the campaign chatter between Russian intelligence about yeah. how to use either Manafort or Flynn to influence Trump to their benefit. Um, that, was, that was a big story. There was also um, yesterday a huge bombshell um, where it was reported that um, the FBI and Comey in particular may have been heavily, heavily influenced in his decision making about going public. Um, with that stupid Hillary letter in October um, by a, an email that was found in um, the WikiLeaks dump um, pur- purporting to be um, from Debbie Wasserman Schultz to someone um, saying that Loretta Lynch, the attorney general at the time, had promised to put the kibosh on the, uh, the email investigation, um, except that Apparently, the American intelligence agencies, including the FBI itself, had determined that this email was not um, was probably not authentic, and most likely had been planted by the Russians um, inside this trove of uh, of WikiLeaks stuff that they disseminated. So it may very well be that Comey um, decided to go public with his stupid Hillary email that may have thrown the election based on a fake email planted there by uh, the Russians. Well, that wasn't my understanding, and maybe I'm, I'm off. My understanding was that was why he went public with announcing that the investigation was over, but, but while also criticizing Hillary and not telling the Justice Department and Lynch about or uh, uh, that he was doing that because he was protecting them. It wasn't I, about the I thing in October. That, that was his justification, for yeah. his own actions, so, so, but, but that but, but that wasn't. But no one alleges in, that that was what threw the election, though. That that action threw the election towards Trump. Like you're, you're saying, it's huh? like 
you made it sound like it was something that Comey did that helped swing the election in Trump's direction, but that's yeah, his press conference in October. But that wasn't because of this email. That the, the article I read said that that's why he went public initially in, in, in like August. Was it August? In July, but not why it, that it it dictated his behavior. It, he would not have had the October press conference if he hadn't had his ridiculous July press conference. It's all. I mean, but but we could, but he could also not have had the he could have also not had the October press conference for lots of other reasons. Like that thing was stupid there for was other an reasons. Press so conference. there was an October letter. The le- October letter. The, the October letter. letter. But the le- so he he could have still ended up having to do the same thing he did, which is brief the people that, about the investigation. The 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 whole point and still f- is simply that it is felt within the FBI and the intelligence community that he dictated a lot of his behavior regarding this based on this one specific document, which was probably uh, a fake. And, and that he seemed to know that he was Russia. fake. Yeah, that, that seems – I mean that's a – Which seems like a That's a thing that's interesting to bring when Comey actually talks. Um, there's oh, a, definitely. It should be asked uh, about There's it. also uh, – you know, in the, again, in, in, in Russian news, there's, the Je- there's Jeff Sessions getting found not to yeah. – to have put on his uh, security clearance about his meetings with the Russians. He's citing that he was told by someone in the Justice Department not to do that, but not no one knows who that would have been. Um, and it's unclear why. He, he's saying because he met these people in his duties as a senator, so it would have been too many to list. It's the same argument that he gave for lying in front of Congress. Yeah, but there's something obviously false to that because in one of the capacities of meeting Kislyak, he was there as a, as a Trump surrogate uh, helping out with the Trump campaign. Not as a senator, because it was it was the meeting in the hotel, I think, in March. It was also supposedly the meeting where he, or somehow, got Carter Page involved in the campaign. So there's obviously untruths to that. It's hard to take anything Jeff Sessions says as true. And then there's also in the Russian news this released connection that uh, a Republican uh, blogger, the Wall Street Journal story. Is the, um, is it? Yeah, I guess the, the Republican yeah, blogger Florida. in Florida. Yeah. Um, he's rec- actually an operative with a blog. He's like a legit operative. He's an, so he's okay. So he's a Republican a GOP operative doing local GOP politics in Florida. He requested uh, from Guccifer 2.0, who is supposed to be basically Russian intelligence, but he got a man who claims to be some anonymous Romanian hacker. Uh, some of the information that he had gotten from the DNC with regard to how the DNC was going to operate in Florida. Um, coming towards the election, and did actually end up getting that information because Guccifer Guccifer 2.0 was basically doing whatever the Republicans wanted him to do, seemingly, Um, and then wrote a blog post about it that then Guccifer 2.0 sent to Roger Stone, who I guess is very chummy with uh, with hackers um, and is also chummy with – is known to be chummy with Julian Assange. So there's something very peculiar happening in this relationship, the details of which are still very murky. But He also also gave um, – Democratic voter roll information that he got as part of that data dump to um, to local Florida GOP types who used it to target ads and outreach in local Florida races. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't just Trump. Um, it was a it was a fairly widespread. Hmm. Yeah, so and so you know obviously we don't have the smoking gun of known intent but like there's a lot of interactions with regard to the to the hacking that happened uh the the intelligence our best intelligence estimates that link to Russian intelligence um and 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 the last uh, election campaign with the GOP all over. So there there's a lot of I mean the 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 smoke of this thing just gets thicker and nastier and more acrid as we move forward. Um I mean I think it's perhaps the first straight up example that we have of cooperation between um a Republican politician or political operative and um and the hackers um like direct cooperation. Um, you know, it's not a member of the Trump team, but a uh, Republican nonetheless. Yeah, it's it's very peculiar, and it obviously makes the election last election seem tainted in, in many ways, which we knew already. But now we have a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, but proof. It, more seemingly slimier ways than I mean. I don't think we knew to this extent. I didn't. 
So, um, update from Montana. Um, it is indeed looking like uh, Gianforte is on a way to a win. Uh, has not been called yet, but he's running um, pretty well ahead of where he would need to. Um, right now, uh, 538 is projecting that it would be in, uh, still like a low single digits win, which would be a big improvement over where this district, or the entire state in this case, was uh, in November, um, which would still be consistent with the other results we've seen this year. Um, so this, it, it could still be consistent with an environment which is is quite favorable for for Democrats in 2018. And I would expect, and it would have happened anyway, but particularly with um, with this guy, um, you know, uh, assaulting a um, a reporter and you know po theoretically possibly going to jail, that he's going to get a pretty stiff. Um, challenge in uh in 2018 yeah i think i think this assault in a report will be the last time he ever makes a mistake probably and it's probably the first time he's ever made one so <laughs> yeah uh i think the, this obviously you know the asaf um election is gonna have a lot of attention on it right so yeah that that would mean in that one i think there's a better chance vulnerable. for for the democrats he's so. currently pulling ahead by a very slim margin yeah, well, there was, there was actually one poll yesterday, which was his best yet, but that w could be an outlier. So um, it's going to be a referendum about know. Trump. It's pretty clear. So that's um, that's what it's going to be. We should ask. Um, we should get reporters to go down and ask his opponent her opinion, Karen Handel. Yeah, see, her, see, you know, her her opinion of the CBO score. Yeah, see if and, Karen and Handel can body slam. Kind of lean in. Yeah, I, let's yeah. let's see how her bicep curls have, have helped her. Move forward. I, I, the first uh, journalist to interview Gene Forte tonight is a very brave one. Oh, it'll probably be someone from Fox News. <laughs> Despite their I'm confirming, I'm sure he, he's not happy with them either. Night. I'm sure he's not happy oh. with basically anybody who doesn't just be a, an insane yes man for his crazy biblical theories. Um, you, you know, Gene Forte. You see that? You read that thing about how Gene Forte said uh, uh, that. Like, there's no retirement in the Bible, so why yeah, are people yeah, retiring? Yeah. That's yeah. just a very strange idea. Okay, Montana, you do you. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we, we, we haven't covered Trump's um, monstrous budget that he put out, but I don't think we've got time to get into all the details of that. Um, nor did we get into um, Trump's latest flirtation with... Um, an autocratic nightmare, um, in this case, uh, Duterte, who, and now for the second time, he revealed the um, location of some American submarines. Yeah, that horrible budget and Trump favoring autocrats over Democratic allies is a thing that I think you will have a chance to talk about in the future. Um, unfortunately, I would say that you're probably correct. So why don't we run into um, what is keeping us sane this week? Nothing. Well, that covers Mike very quickly. John? Um, I am waiting to have a baby, so I'm just... Uh, I mean, it's hard to keep saying, so but I guess... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. um, I mean, I think it keeps, it keeps your mind... It keeps the mind focused on, on more present concerns. Other things, yes. So I think if, in a certain way, it keeps me sane from the political reality for the time being. Um, what am I... What's keeping me sane? Not, yeah, I haven't been feeling too sane this week, either. I'm kind of with Mike... Um, I'm I'm going back to Minnesota for the first time since I moved back to the East Coast this uh, weekend. Um, I guess I'm sort of looking forward to it. I would say that what's interesting is like we've seen some pretty heavy bombshells uh, about Trump come out by the Trump administration and about possible coordination. Things that feel impeachable. Certainly, he's said and done things that would feel like impeachable under normal circumstances. Yeah, I mean. We we certainly haven't even gotten into the uh, continue his uh, seeming desire to continue to build the case against himself for obstruction of justice. Yeah, so the, he never is, said Israel. <laughs> he never said Israel. <laughs> yeah, we did. We skipped out the whole tour. We talked about how it was pretty uh, started off pretty well. I mean, when you give that away and and hurt your relationship with Israel, when you're your strongest allies, and then somehow manage to top that in, in terms of well, fuck ups, you are President I, Trump. I, I thought it wasn't important to mention because he. Did go from to Israel from the Middle East. Yeah, go. <laughs> so, but I would say like one of the. I mean, you both of you guys saying that you're not you're not sure what is keeping you sane of anything. I think part of it is that like it's just even these things that in theory should give us hope of like oh maybe there's a way to get out of this horrible nightmare. 
It's just that you're still stuck in it. So it's only the nightmare is only darker and worse. In a way, if Trump turned out to be at least a like a George W. Bush level incompetent boob of a terrible Republican, you would at least not think that the future of the world is at stake anymore. You know, like to the same degree. Whereas, like, if we can't get out of this thing with what we know now, like, what are we expecting to be given to us to help get us out of this thing? It's 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 just a it's sadly just a waiting game if we're fortunate. But well, it's I have still and I have a lot to say about the the politics of of that and i'll save that for next week um, but it's hard to stay sane in a climate where you like the 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 darkness of who this human being is and what this administration stands for gets just darker and darker each day regardless of all the good news that could come about maybe somehow ending these right. clouds yeah and it with that in mind it, it remains all the more important to not let it make us so depressed that we're unable to um, keep our heads above water and stay engaged and um, be as good citizens as we can be. At least I, I would say. Sure. On that note, thanks for listening to Sanity Check. Make sure to join us again next week. And if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, the Google Play Store, or at sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting.